exceedingly, abundantly, beyond all we can ask or think. I think that's just a verse that uh, can describe Campus Conquest as uh, this school was represented and so was Grace Community Church and went out to Northridge, USC, and CSUN. But I think for me it started even before that, just a desire in my own heart to have a compassion for people. So many times I can do things out of a desire of obedience, but not out of a real desire of love, to actually feel love in my heart towards somebody as I come to them and uh, offer them the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as I prayed for compassion, I had no idea what would happen, how God would bring this about in my life. And it started with Campus Conquest, but before that it started with a couple other events, just some friends and cousins who didn't know Jesus Christ and who still don't and who need Jesus Christ. And as God started to break my heart and as I started to see that I needed to love them more and more, I, I realized that I couldn't. I couldn't within myself. And I called to Him with prayer. And prayer is powerful. And God is good. And He does desire to do abundant and exceedingly. And at Campus Conquest, He did. And He just started off with giving people the desire to share, seeing the need to desire to share with people who don't know Jesus Christ. And it was interesting to watch all the people as they would stand around in a circle and as their friends would go out to talk to somebody and leave them there alone by themselves. They would get a little fidgety. And then all of a sudden you would see them look around and they would eye somebody who they didn't know if they knew Christ or not, but they went over to find out. And as they did, they started a conversation and they either learned that this person was interested or he wasn't interested in Jesus Christ at all. Just one person I spoke to, he told me that uh, he had straight A's and that's all he needed. He didn't need Jesus Christ. He didn't need what God offered him because he was getting it through the world. But we know that straight A's will not offer eternal life. Another person told me he did not believe in God. There is no God. But on the last campus I went to, as God was breaking me... And after talking to many people, seeing that nobody was coming to Christ, I found myself really hurting and just crying out to Him. And as I'd come home, I'd pray, and at night I'd, I'd lay, lay awake in bed, and I'd say, God, just, just one person, just let me talk to one person, Father. Don't, don't uh, let me become proud or anything because of it, but just let me just see one person come to Christ. And that day I, I spoke with people and it was like uh, they were just on the edge, but yet they didn't want to give their life to Christ. They, they desired the world and the things of the world. The last person I talked to, I was walking over, and he had his lunch in his hand, and he walked over and he sat on this brick wall, on this cement wall, and I walked over and I sat on it with him and I asked him, can I share Jesus Christ with you? And he said, sure, let's talk. And we started to talk. And as we talked, I realized that not only did he uh, learn about Jesus Christ through incidents in his life, but he was learning about Jesus Christ in his school, in his class, in secular classes, as he took history. And teachers talked about Jesus Christ. And they brought up, is Jesus Christ real? And as they brought a lot of false accusations about Jesus Christ, he looked at the truth. He looked at the Jesus Christ that was being offered even in the text. You know, it was a part of history. It was there. And he had to live with that. And he had many questions. But it was neat to know that even though as we talked, 
he realized that he was a sinful person, that he needed Christ, that he needed a Savior. And we talked, and I said, if you realize this, why don't you come to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? And he said, I can't. The power is not within me. I don't have the ability to live that kind of a life. And it was so good to know that the answers were in the Bible. The answers were in Scripture, that God doesn't leave us here alone with an empty heart. And I told him, hey, God has given you away. Jesus Christ will give you that power to live that life that you so desire. And if that's a desire of your heart, you can receive Christ right now. I said, would you like to pray? And just, just joy, just so much joy and peace sprung up to my heart when he said, yeah, let's pray. And I said, go ahead. And I think of the words he said, and they were so beautiful. And they were so simple. And he just said, God, I'm a sinner. I need you. From that point, just like I said, a bunch of joy sprung up in my heart. And all the things of the world were not even in my mind. My problems, my situations in life, they were all gone. Just the joy of seeing this young man come to Christ. And my prayers were answered too as God started to build compassion in my life for people. And that's in the past. And I want to keep it in the future. Exceedingly, abundantly, beyond all I can ask or think. Is that what's happening in your life? Is that what's happening in here, in our lives? And even as we step away from Campus Conquest and the other missions, I believe that it goes on now. Because there's so many things we don't see. Because God does exceedingly, abundantly, beyond all we can ask or think. Wow, Dave, that, that's really neat. That was great. Um, Campus Conquest for me was just great. I mean, I, I absolutely loved it. It was exactly what I needed, and um, I'm just really glad that God put me there. And, and uh, I just feel so privileged that, that God even uses me, you know. Well, so I just wrote down these things so that I didn't forget what exactly I want to say. Um, the, the one thing that, that really just got me was when we first got on the campus, um, my intensity in my heart wasn't out of fear or anything. It was just, man, I got to get out there and I got to tell some people about the Lord. And so, you know, I kept running into these walls and I couldn't do it right. And I, I just, ugh, this is constantly inadequacy. And, and uh, so, I, but in my heart, there was just such an intensity that I was going to talk to somebody until somebody accepted Christ. I, I didn't have control over the situation. But man, I wasn't going to give up, you know. And so in my heart, it was just intensity, intensity. Because the week before that, the Lord had brought somebody kind of weird, like, in my life to share Christ with him. And he received Christ just by a flat tire on my scooter. And that was just, you know, totally exciting for me. And I've been sharing Christ for like three years. And because I've been a Christian almost five, but I've only been sharing Christ for three years. And man, you know, nobody received the Lord. I mean, if they did, they fell away. Or I discipled people and they were gonzo. And so it was like, you know, I, I just felt like God could, wasn't using me as much as I wanted to. So, so finally, you know, I said, this is it, this is it. So I started going for it. And, and, uh, Everybody I saw that wasn't being talked to by a Christian, I would just grab them and I would talk to them. Or, or like the, and these two girls, I'm just going to make the story short. Um, they were just walking by and, and I was talking to some Christian friends. And, and, uh, 
it was right after slow-mo football, and they were the, the girls, you know, in, in the punk rock. I know Russ was telling us the, the story at Grace Community if you were there. But, you know, they, had, they were just a challenge to me, you know, because I used to kind of be like them. And, and so they had the zippers on their pants and the, sh- and the shades and, and the, the dark jet black hair, and they're just walking, and they're cool, you know. And uh, so I just went over, and I said, hey, you guys, did you see slow-mo football? And they said, um, they said, well, no, what is that? And so I kind of got to share with them. And they were really resisting me for a while. Here they are real cool. And here I am, you know, some angel to them, just, you know, shedding my holiness on them or something. They're just going, oh, get away. And uh, <laughs> so, uh, but I just kept talking to them and just trying to relate to them and trying to get where they were. And so little by little, like, was it 45 minutes for us? It seemed like, you know, 10 or 15. I couldn't believe it. I'm surprised that I kept their attention that long. But um, anyway, so we just started talking and, and they just, they couldn't believe that Jesus Christ was the only way, the only truth, and the only life, which is one major problem that really bugs me on these campuses. I mean, they just can't submit to, to one way, one truth, one life. I don't know what the problem is. Anyway, so, um, <laughs> you know, I use that verse over and over. Ask Vicki Eubin. She and I were together the whole time, and it just bugs me. Anyway, so these girls, they were just, they were, all of a sudden, their hearts just began to soften, and their, and their whole face just started, you know, really honing in on what I was saying, and I'm just going, God, I can't believe this is happening. So um, I did, we just started walking again, because it was getting real hot out there, and they were wearing black, you know, so black just really holds the heat in. So I said, uh, I said well, let's start walking. So we started walking, and, and I, I got to the point where they were, gonna, um, they were getting real ready to receive Christ. They were recognizing the truth. And, and so I said, well, do you want to pray to receive Christ? Is there any reason, you know, why you wouldn't want to? And, man, a year ago, I could never even ask that question, you know. It's like, uh, do you want to, uh, you know, pray? <laughs> but th- now, you know, I just said, no, let's do it, you know. So they're all, you know, right here. I- I'd be really embarrassed. Do-, do we have to pray? I don't know what to say. And so we went under this tree, and, and I just got to go through the-, the little booklet with them just to make sure I'd covered all the points because, you know, I can never do it right. So I, um, we just prayed. And, man, their faces just changed. It was just, it was so incredible, just that glow of understanding. And I, I was just so, so excited. I don't, I don't know what to do with myself. You know, when somebody comes to know Christ in my presence, I just, uh, you know, I, I lose it. <laughs> so, uh, um, I, mean, I don't know whether to talk about it or to tell everybody or not to shut up or, you know, anyway, that's my personal problem. Anyway, so um, <laughs> I was just so excited. And so I got a chance to, to call. One of them was ch- from Czechoslovakia, too, or something. She had kind of an accident. Accident. <laughs> that was an accident on my part. She had an accent. Anyway, so I, I got a chance to call her and talk to her, and uh, and she said, she said, yeah, you know, I, I've really been thinking about it, and you know, for me, follow up is even worse because I, you know, I have no clue what to do. So I, I just asked her how things were going, and she said, yeah, I, I just really been thinking about it, and and uh, so she, and she, she's in there, you know, but it's just going to take her a little while, I think. I didn't know everything when I first became a Christian, too. I could tell you about that, but I won't. And it was just, it's just so neat that the Lord used me in that. But if I'm, am I boring you? Can I go on a little bit more? Do I have enough time? Okay. Um, but the, the neat thing that I learned was just that um, every time I go out and share, I, I just recognize just such a sense of inadequacy. Lord, I can't, I can't share your word right, or I can't share the gospel right, or, or what's wrong with me? How come I'm not doing this right? And so it, it was just a real refining time for me to get back into the word and to learn what the Lord wants me to know. And, and I would go out and I'd wind up answering the same questions. You know, Jesus can't be the only way. Jesus can't be the only truth. And so I was kind of frustrated with that too. But anyway, um, and there was just a lot of lack of concern. Like USC just drove me crazy. The Christians on campus there, they just weren't even fired up. But um, um, 
But and the one thing I just really enjoyed was just the unity that the group had on you know, the buses. I just really sensed a unity and a pulling together, and that that was just real special because I've been kind of independent in the secular world doing my thing and getting with a bunch of Christians and going out and conquering the campuses for Christ was just a, a real neat experience for me. Well, thanks for letting me share. <laughs> Um, <clears throat> I didn't really want to go on the campus um, conquest. <laughs> and the Lord really used it to change my attitude, and I'm really thankful. Um, the reasons I wasn't, you know, Tom Harkis is all, it's so exciting, and I'm going, no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, First of all, just philosophically, I had kind of a problem with what I knew our, our methods of evangelism were going to be. It's like, you know, you just walk up to total strangers and just force yourself on them and, and dump, your, dump your testimony. And I thought that's really kind of offensive and kind of rude. And I had always kind of been taught that the, the best way of evangelism is friend to friend within a sphere of influence. And I really think that's really the, true. But I kind of I questioned the validity of the methods we were going to use. And Number two, frankly, I thought slow-mo football was the stupidest thing I'd ever heard of. <laughs> I, thought, I, thought, I thought, this is never going to work. You know, it's never going to work. And so, you know, Tuesday night before we go out on Wednesday, you should have seen me. I was just like the total wreck, you know, and I didn't want to go, and I was just like all nervous, and there was no one around to talk to, and I was just like kind of wandering around like a lost soul in the dorms, fretting, you know, and... And I was praying to the Lord, and I was going, Lord, you know, I don't want to do this. This is hard, and this is, this is not me, okay? And, but I've committed myself to this, and I put my name on the blue card, and I've got to go. And, and, and I just, like, I told the Lord, you know, this is going to be an opportunity for you to show yourself strong in my weakness, okay? And so the next day we got up, and we, we loaded up the buses and headed for, us, for Northridge. And... We got there, and, and, you know, I'm incredibly nervous. I feel so stupid. Here we are, you know, tromping onto this campus, and everyone's kind of looking at us, and I thought, oh, brother, you know. And, and then, you know, I expected to be able to go out with someone who was more experienced, but somehow I ended up all by myself. <laughs> I'm just going, you know, what's, what's happening here, you know? So I'm wandering around, and, and finally I just decide, you know, Lord, I just need to go ahead and do it. And I just walked up to someone, and I said, you know, did my little thing about the survey. And it was so amazing. She wanted to talk to me, you know. It was like I couldn't believe it. And we talked for a while. And, and, and after I got into it, it was kind of fun. And, and the interesting thing was that I seemed to attract philosophy majors and, <laughs> and religious studies majors and and. All these people who, who I could kind of relate to a little bit. It was kind of fun. And, and, and I, guess, I guess by the end of the week, I really came to the conclusion that what we call random evangelism is only random from our point of view. That our God is sovereign and he's orchestrating it so that we touch the lives of the people he wants us to touch. And maybe we won't see results and maybe they'll seem really clothed, closed clothed too sometimes and and as we're out scattering the seed you know it's God, it's God's work and he he's the one who's working through us and I was really encouraged by that and especially as I considered some real close friends of mine who are going to school one of them's at Boise State University and one of them's at University of Washington buddies from high school that I've just been praying for and trying to share with 
And, you know, as I've been praying, I realized, you know, I pray for them that God will bring people into their lives that will share with them. And I was thinking, as I'm going to SC and as I'm going to Northridge and to Pierce College, maybe I'm the answer to somebody else's prayer. And I'm part of our sovereign God's network of reaching out to the lost, and I don't even know it. And that was just really exciting and encouraging to me, and it's really changed my attitude. I'm probably never going to be your Tom Meharris nag, snag people on the street and tell them they're going to hell kind of evangelism, but it was really encouraging to me, and I'm, I'm excited. Very exciting. You know, we've been singing this song a long time, and... Um, it's good to finally have a week where we can do it, you know, let my light shine bright. And so as we sing this this morning, don't feel ashamed at all if when you're done, the gym falls down. Because we got a lot to sing about, don't we? I mean, we've all been out there and we've been doing it. We've been letting our light shine bright. Um, so let's sing it. Let my light shine bright through the night, through the day, all the way. All the way for you. People try, try to be free, but they're not. Why can't they see that you died, set me free for all? Let me hear it now. Let my light shine bright through the night, through the day, all the way for you. Yeehaw! Let my light shine bright through the night. Good singing. Give yourselves a big hand this morning. All right. No, take that down. There you go. Okay, you guys like the song. I know you do because it's one of your favorite lines. It's called King Jesus. We did it on the bus for going down to the campuses, so let's go for it. King Jesus is all my all in all and I know he'll answer me when I call walking by my side I'm satisfied King Jesus is all my all in all when I went out to meet the Lord I got down on my knees Ghost and met me there. Oh, and I went down the rock, the rock was sand. Through the love of God, I came a tumbling down. The reason I know that is in my soul. I ran faster than I found you to go. Then he's all my all in all. And I know he'll answer me when I call. Walking by my side. I'm satisfied. The King Jesus is all my all in all. My all in all. My all in all. All right. Isn't that great truth? That's exciting stuff. We want you to know uh, I think when you walked into chapel, you were handed a slip of paper. Is that right? You should have been. And on it, there should be three names and addresses. Um, 
And those are the names and addresses of the men who came and preached the Word of God to us that set our whole missions conference up and that really gave us, I think, the understanding and the boldness that we needed to step on to all those different things that we did. I would like to recommend that you take some time in the next three or four days and write them a letter and say, my name is so-and-so, Master's College, you came and preached, we went on our missions conference, this is what God did in my life. And do a little paragraph on that and tell them you love them and thanks for coming and minister the word. I think that would be a really good statement uh, for two reasons. Number one, they need your encouragement. And number two, I think it would be a good statement about our college. And we want our college to be known as a bunch of sharp people who are on fire for the Lord and who do things right. And I think we're that way. And this would be a part of that. I'd also like to recommend something. That you do the same thing with uh, your president, John MacArthur. Um, he loves you guys to death, and I think you sense that every now and then when he gets a chance to really say that. But, I don't, you know, it'd be good for us to write a letter back and to look at all the things that have happened at this campus. And I know God's responsible for that, but they kind of came coincidentally when he took the presidency of the college, if you get my drift. And it would be very, very helpful, and I think encouraging to him. He's, of course, away for the next couple of weeks. Um, but if when he got back, he had a stack of about three to 400 letters from the student body that he had to sit down and read, you know? Wouldn't that be cool? <laughs> He'd have to stay up all night and do it. And you could just kind of share what's going on in your life here at the Master's College. So if you have the time, you could write a couple letters in the next four days and just share and praise God in that way. A couple other things. Um, there's going to be a sign-up table on your way out. It's kind of another mi missions thing. For you to become a pen pal to a Korean student in Korea, they're trying to learn English over there. And they like, to, they like to correspond with English students. And this is not a Christian endeavor necessarily. But I couldn't imagine why if you started writing a Korean student, the gospel wouldn't find its way in there every now and then. So if you're into writing and you'd like to pick up a ministry in Korea and begin to write with students, there's going to be a little table right outside the door, and I'd encourage you to, to sign up for that. Um, the last thing, I forgot. No, I didn't. Oh, yeah, the last thing I'm really excited about, and it's called the Master's Men. And the reason I'm bringing this up now is because I'm so amazed at what has, God has done through the Master's Mission that while we're still all aware of that, we ought to think a little bit about the Master's Men. As you know, it's coming in the first part of April, and we've got some exciting speakers coming in. Bob Vernon, um, Fred Barshaw, uh, a guy who... Uh, was a teacher in the public school system, was given the worst school in the entire San Fernando Valley. He, they made him the principal, and within a year, he turned it around and was winning all the awards. He's a Christian man. He's an elder at Grace Church, uh, very good communicator. He's going to come. A guy named Bob King, a local guy who goes to Grace Baptist, who's very successful in his business, he's going to come and speak to us. And then there's another guy. Oh, yeah, Daryl Kraft, who owns the largest janitorial service in the world. Pretty impressive, huh? What do you do for a living? I clean toilets. Oh, yeah. Well, that I clean more toilets than anybody else cleans in the whole world. He was a student at Biola, and he didn't have enough money to make it through, he and his wife. And so they, um, this was way back. I'm sorry to mention that word. I won't cuss again in chapel. But anyway, um, they, were, they were students down there in the smog, you know. And um, they didn't have enough money, so they started cleaning toilets. And he's tried to get out of this business. He told me about six or seven times, but God keeps him in it. And uh, he's, he's going to come and share with us. So those are the main speakers that we've got coming for Master's Men. Why are they coming? They're coming because we believe that God 
whether you're in full-time ministry or you're in full-time what they call secular work, we believe that you can be mightily used of God, whether you're going to be an educator or a businessman or whatever. And so we'd like to bring in some people that have lived that, totally integrated their faith into what they're doing and are being used by God. And so they're going to come and give us vision. But, as I think you know, on the 4th of April, each one of the, the, the departments, the academic departments, is, um, with the help of students, reaching out and inviting their own personal guest to be with them. So the chapel time will be different. We'll meet early for chapel. And then right after chapel, all of us will go to our various majors and then have a Q&A with men or women that have been invited by that major and just dialogue with them. And then there'll be after that like a formal lunch up in the dining center, you know, with Julie Dolan playing the piano softly in the background. We'll have, we'll have like tablecloths and all that stuff, right? It's, it's going to be first rate. So, but here's what you need to know. Um, on that day, April 4th, you'll hear more about this, but there are two things. If you're in your major and you'd like to make a reservation to sit at the table with the guest who comes from your department, you do that from through your academic, uh, your teacher, like your department head, and he'll tell you about that, or she'll tell you about that. So that's number one. If you'd like to do that but don't get to, and would like to serve that meal, and be a servant and, and provide all that waitress and hostess and all that stuff, guys and gals, you know, serving all those tables, you can sign up for that list too. So we want you to know about that and we want you to be praying about that. And for the next three chapels of next week, um, the various department heads will come up and tell you a little bit in chapel about the guy they're inviting so that we can all begin to get a flavor. There's some heavy-duty names coming to the Master's College campus and we want you to have a chance to know a little bit about that. Okay, so there, there was just a few things I had to say. Sorry about that. Hey, you know, when I was down at um, Northridge and when I was down at SC with the Campus Conquest, and I enjoyed being able to be with all three trips, the thing that amazed me and that just filled my heart with joy was to see all of you students absolutely totally violating all the dress code, but totally fitting in on the secular campus and sharing your faith. And I thought, now that's real Christianity, right? I mean, Paul said, to the Jew, I'm a Jew. To the Greek, I'm a Greek. Whatever it takes for me to identify... And so we kind of got out of our little uniforms and we went down there with the love of Jesus Christ and we did it. And I can think of students sitting under trees with Bibles open and it, and it just absolutely fired me up. And I did watch Tammy talk and it was 45 minutes and she's long-winded, so, but it took a while to get those people saved. But another thing that we're going to be able to share in right now is what happened at SC. And I, of course, graduated from SC. And I'm sorry, I cussed again. but um, I graduated from that school and it was really a thrill for me to go back on my own campus and to see a whole bunch of my students, I mean, master's college students, walking all around sharing their faith. And SC was a hard school, and they were closed. And I think that's maybe because they're so rich, you know, and it's harder for a rich man to come to the kingdom than it is for the camel to go through the eye of a needle. But um, what really fired me up right there, Town Square, Tommy Trojan, you know, the big statue that stands up there? There's this little piano, and Julie Dolan's sitting at it, and then John and Rick get up. Out of nowhere. Right there. And they say, you know, I forget there what they said, but they said, you know, we're really in love with Jesus Christ. And uh, we want to sing to you about him today. And then they started singing. And it was us, right there. Tommy Trojan, boom. Here, here it was. And so why don't we give them a hand as they come up and do those two songs for us. I want to praise the Lord and thank Him for His strength that He gives. I know, I don't know about Rick, but I had uh, second thoughts about singing at USC. I didn't know quite what was going to happen. But uh, 
the Lord gives strength, doesn't He? And I know all you guys can testify that. Um, and again, just to watch the slow-mo football and the free speeches, and then look out in the audience and see all you guys witnessing, uh, it's just an encouragement. And, you know, as we invaded Satan's territory at USC, um, you know, God has just given us a glimpse of what that verse in Romans says, that we are overwhelmingly conquerors. And uh, the work's not done, is it? Let's uh, keep that up. That was exciting. Okay, let me set the scene for you. We've got Tommy Trojan there. He's kind of, I don't know if any of you have ever seen him. He's kind of like this, okay? He's got a sword. He's a symbol of pride on the campus, okay? And so Tommy's up there. He thinks he's real cool, but what he doesn't know is he's got a little bird turd, right, on, on his shoulder, okay? And I'm thinking to myself... That's it, just like this campus. They're so prideful. They got they got everything going for them, money and everything, but they are stained. And and at this at, and at that, I had the opportunity to get up there and, and sing and share my faith and my love for Jesus Christ with everybody with their hair slicked back and everybody all prepped out. You know your preppies and your prep asses or whatever they're called. But they're um, they're out there and they start listening to what we've got to share and then to see the other students out there sharing with them. It was a blessing. So that's the scene. And then we didn't have any mics or anything. So we, at first, John was just going to do it by himself, okay? And he said that he didn't think that he could, you know, project enough because we didn't have mics. So he asked me to come along. So I, I said, sure, yeah, I'd love to do it. And then I started thinking about it. Oh, man. And, and uh, so anyways, I eventually did do it, and um, it was fun. And uh, it was a chance for us to share our faith. God so loved the world That He gave His only Son So that anybody who believes in Him Should live forevermore God so loved the world That He gave His only Son So that anybody who believes in Him Should live God sent not His Son into the world To condemn the world To condemn the world But that through the world Through Him might be saved That the world through Him might be saved God so loved the world That He gave His only Son So that anybody who believes in Him Should live
We thought this song hit it right on the head right here. Who would have thought that long ago, so very far away, a little child would be born and in a manger laid? And who would have thought this little child was born the King of Kings, the son of just a carpenter, but for whom the angels sing? And who would have thought that as he grew and with other children played, this child with whom they laughed and sang would die for them someday? And who would have thought this little child could make a blind man see, feed the hungry, make rich the poor, and set the sinner free? Oh, who would have thought this little child was who the prophet said? Would return to judge this world, the living and the dead. Oh, I believe, and I will always see this little child is the king. Oh, I believe, and I will always see this little child. Is the King of Kings. Many years have come and gone, but this world remains the same. Empires have been built and fallen, only time has made a change. Nation against nation, brother against brother. Men so filled with hatred, killing one another, while over half the world is starving, while our banner of decency is torn, debating over disarmament, killing children before they're born, and fools who march to win the right to justify their sin. Oh, every nation that has fallen has fallen from within. Yet in the midst of all this darkness, there is a hope, a light that burns. This little child, the King of Kings, someday will return. Oh, and I believe, and I will always see this little child is the King. Oh, I believe. And I will always sing, this little child is the King of Kings. Who would have thought this little child was who the prophet said, would return to judge this world, the living and the dead? Oh, can't you see that long ago, so very far away, this little child, our only hope, was born a king that day. And I believe, and I will always sing this little 
child is the king. Oh, I believe, and I will always sing. This little child is the king of kings. Thank you. Step, step back just a little bit. I say we go back with microphones. <laughs> that was great. Well, we just wanted to take a, a few minutes here just to share another exciting story with you that kind of came about during our time uh, on the campuses. And Stuart here is a guy who's been going to school here for a while, and he's got something that's, uh, that's very exciting uh, to share with you. So, Stuart, just come and, and let us know what happened to you. Well, like, like Paul was sharing, I, I wasn't looking forward to this uh, campus conquest at all. I'd rather sit back in the back row of chapel and watch missionaries present slides, you know, <laughs> and just kind of sit back there and go, you know, oh, wow, this is exciting. And um, I just wasn't looking forward to it at all. And um, the first thought was CSUN, and um, I felt really uncomfortable that entire day. I wasn't talking to nobody at all. And um, my roommate shared with one person, and I just kind of sat there and kind of listened and kind of just looked at it. And I looked at the library, which this entire school could probably fit in. And it was incredible. It was huge. And um, I just wasn't, you know, doing my part. And I just felt uncomfortable. And um, so uh, we got back that night, and I was really discouraged. You know, throughout the day, I just kind of stayed in the area where they played slow-mo and everything. And that's about it. And that night, I was really discouraged. And... And I, I just knew something was wrong. And so I got out of track. I was going to practice witnessing. And believe it or not, this is the first time in my entire life I ever pulled out a track. You know, I had it in my pocket the entire day, but didn't even, didn't even look at it. Didn't even bother to even look at the title of it. And so I read it. And I was going to practice witnessing. And, you know, and I kind of had my stuffed animals there. I was going, yeah, do you believe? You know? And, <laughs> and so... That's what I was doing. And um, so I felt uncomfortable reading the track. Well, I put it down. I, I just kind of relaxed. I took it easy. I knew we didn't have classes that week. So I just kind of sat back and, you know, relaxed for a while. And about an hour later, a student here uh, confronted me. And um, because Monday, um, the student overheard me talking really negative about this school. I had a really negative attitude. I was hearing about all these people coming to the Lord, you know, on our own campus. I, you know, my attitude was like, how can we go to other campuses when our own students are getting saved, you know? And um, that was my entire attitude about it. And he overheard this, so he confronted me. And I got really upset that he confronted me. I mean, how dare this person confront me, you know? I, mean, I go to the master's college. You don't need to confront me, you know? And um, so he went over, and he kind of mentioned how in First John, he's kind of defending these people because he himself had come to know the Lord last semester. And he was talking about how in First John we can, um, you know, um, test our faith. So um, he left. I was totally turning him off. I left the room a few times. Well, he left. And I just kind of angrily went over to my side of the room. I grabbed my Bible. I ripped through the pages to First John. And I was just going to prove to him once and for all, hey, I'm a Christian. Don't tell me I'm not a Christian. Or, you know. And so I got First John. And everything was fine through the first chapter. You know, I was like, going, yeah, 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 right, right. You know, and 
Yeah, this is fine. And I got chapter 2, read the first three verses, and I go, yeah, yeah, right, sure. I read first four, and it's like my the Bible just flew up and hit me in the face. You know, it's like, whoa! And it, it said, um, for I think it says, I'm kind of like paraphrasing here. For he who says, I have come to know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. And I read that verse, and I just went, whoa, what, you know, what's this saying? And um, I read, I kept reading on, and every so often I'd go back to that verse, and I'd go, what is this? You know, what is commandments? What is his commandments? And I read chapter 5, verse 3, and it has some talking about commandments are not burdensome, you know. And I wasn't sure, and I, I went looking for the student, and um, I couldn't find him. I ran back to my room and asked my roommate kind of if he could explain. I don't mean to embarrass my roommate, but he confused me. So, uh, <laughs> and I knew it wasn't talking about the Ten Commandments, and he kind of brought up the Ten Commandments. I'm going, wait a minute, you know. Um, so I went looking for the student, and God's sovereignty was in it. Um, I couldn't find him. And I was about to give up, and I thought, I'll give one more look into the lounge. And if I can't find him, I'm going to bed, and I'm going to forget all this nonsense. And I was about to enter into the lounge, and I looked down the hallway, and he was about to enter a room. And I was kind of like, wait! You know? And so I came up to my room, and I threw my Bible at him. You know? And I said, what's that verse mean? You know? And uh, I asked him what the commandment was. The commandments. And, and he mentioned, love your Lord God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and then love your neighbors yourself. And I realized right there and then I wasn't doing that at all. I mean, I hated people on this campus, you know, and I certainly didn't live for the Lord. I mean, it's like my commitment at that point was like, okay, I have two minutes, Lord, I'll read a verse. And it's like, oh, Lord, apply it to my life. Amen, you know, and that's about it. That's where my commitment lied. And um, I realized for the first time it's a lifetime commitment. And being a Christian is not belonging to a group of people. It's having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ our Lord. And um, for the first time, I realized that what this commitment meant, what being a Christian really was. And um, it took me 15 minutes. I, I didn't know whether or not I wanted to do it because I knew it was my whole life here, my entire life. And um, I looked at my roommate and the student, um, and I said, before I pray, I, I want to know if I'll have accountability, you know, because I can't do it on my own. You know, there's no way. And I know the Lord strengthens me, you know. He, he has. He strengthened me. And I, I went ahead and, and I prayed. And um, it was after I prayed, I just experienced an unbelievable feeling. And um, the student uh, mentioned having peace with God. And um, I read Philippians 4, 7, and it talked about peace, peace of God that surpasses all comprehension. And that's what it was. I just, you know, you, you can't describe it. It's just unbelievable. And the joy I felt, you know, I was like, yeah, yeah, let's go. And I was running down the hallways, it's 5 till 12. My, my um, RA, Tim Barr, comes out of the room going, what's going on, man, you know. <laughs> I go, Tim, I just got saved. He goes, oh, really, you know. And, and it was just, it was incredible. And um, so I was excited. And, and the next day we went to USC, and I'm going, well, Northridge had it easy. I wasn't a Christian, but USC, look out, baby. You know, it's like, here I come. And, um, but it was, it was kind of funny because Lord led me to Christians to talk to. And, and uh, you know, I'd ask him, you know, what, what is being a Christian to you, you know? And we got to talk that way. And um, I was going, Lord, you know, I want to talk to a non-Christian. And we went to Paris, and I, I kept talking to non-Christians. Well, I did talk to one guy. I got a weird response. I walked up, and I went, excuse me, do you, do you have a few moments? He goes, no. Uh, and we had the tickets for the concert for, at Grace. And I go, do you enjoy music? No. <laughs> and he just kind of walked off, and that was that, you know? And... Um, well, finally, after slow-mo football, I turned around to a guy, 
And luckily, Carl McCarthy was standing there because I, I started asking him what he thought about all this. And um, he goes, he thought slow-mo football was, you know, fun. It was great. And I asked him, you know, what do you think about Jesus Christ? And he goes, well, I'm a Jew. I just went, no, no, God, you know, lead me to a Jew. <laughs> Lord. <laughs> um, I just freaked out, you know. It's like, But he wasn't a real strong Jew. He, he's not an Orthodox Jew. But luckily, Carl was there, and he kind of jumped in. He'll, you know, I go, thanks, Carl. And, but I... <laughs> I, I got to talk to him, and it was incredible, and I felt satisfied just, just talking to one's soul. And um, it, I just I felt really good just planting a seed, you know, allow the Holy Spirit to do the rest. And, and he took my New Testament, and, and he took the track, and he said he'd read it, and it, it was incredible. And I've just seen the Lord working in my life. He's been meeting little needs and um, just doing great things in my life, and I'm in a discipleship group now. It's just it's an exciting time for me. And that's about it. Thanks. Amen. Amen. Well, at this point, we want to try to relive some of that time with a slide presentation. And afterwards, you can go ahead and, and take off uh, when it's over. And I just want to challenge you to continue to, to believe God and apply this because the world really needs to hear. And you, you knew that as a result of last week. You came to realize that in a greater way. Amen. Amen. Okay, this point I'd like to turn over to Randy.